Whoa! Hello. You ready? Okay. Hello and welcome. You are listening to Desperate Acts of Capitalism, a podcast about money, marketing, and how it all goes wrong. Join us in a wonderland of burning money. I'm Evan Swope. And I am C.T. Kelly. Our third co-host, Armon, is going to be off for this week, but we still have an episode for you. We're holding down the fort. Yeah, yeah, he's keeping the garrison. Evan, have I, have I told you what I'm, what I'm doing this week? No, I'm totally in the dark. Okay, okay. Um, this was probably the most difficult episode that I have had to write so far. Oh my god, um, that's enticing. So... In, in the time since our podcast has been off the air, there have been some developments in the uh, financial world, namely in the yes. form of cryptocurrencies and NFTs. Now, oh, no. everyone and their mother has done an episode about like NFTs and cryptocurrency. You've undoubtedly been cornered by some guy at a party who wanted to explain it to you at length. And we're not going to do that yeah. here. Right at this point, you've seen a million video essays. If you're watching this, you've you've heard a thousand people tell you about it. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to focus in on some of the most interesting examples of cryptocurrency and NFT grifters, and and really kind of zero in on them, like pick them apart, hmm. right? Because they're always fascinating people and fascinating stories. Yeah, well, this I think um, at least at the time of recording. Um uh, Sam Bakeman Freed was just sentenced or at least, uh, convicted. <laughs> so it feels like uh, mm -hmm. a pretty, uh, good time to do this episode. Oh yes. However, you may not, you may not guess the direction that we're going to be taking this, this episode. Yes. So to start off, let's talk about the difference between fraud and a scam. <laughs> okay. If I sell you an orange for a dollar and I never actually had an orange to begin with, that's fraud. I went right. into the situation intending to take your money and run. Yeah. However, if I convince you to buy an orange for $100 and then I give you the orange, that's not necessarily fraud. It's just a scam. And the thing mm. about scams is that they're kind of a legal gray area sometimes. They're hard to pin down. Right. A core element of capitalist economies is people overpaying for things. So you can't really draw an objective line between expensive and too expensive, which makes mm. things very difficult to prove in court. Right. Especially when you're selling something with an inherently nebulous value, like advice. Mm. There is no objective, <laughs> rational way to price advice. Its value right. can be flexible depending on who is giving and who is taking. This makes it an extraordinarily flexible financial tool a favorite of both the highest echelons of business and the lowest dregs of con artistry, and often both at the same time. In this story, in this episode, we are going to be talking about some seemingly very dumb people. <laughs> Anyone could have fallen for one of these crypto schemes. Part of what makes crypto so effective as a medium for scams is it kind of self-selects for people that are vulnerable to this particular kind of pyramid scheme, Ponzi scheme, what have you, right? But it's important to remember going forward, somewhere out there is your scam. Somewhere out there is if a guy that if you meet him on the wrong day, he will take everything that you own. And 
<laughs> it won't really be your fault, right? Everyone yeah. has things that they are vulnerable to. It's not a question of, you know, smarter or dumber, but we will get into that. Right. Evan, do you know what a meme coin is? Um, well, uh, my guess is it would be some sort of cryptocurrency that's, that's kind of a joke, but it's actually like a real traded coin. I don't know. Like, like the Doge coin is that one? Yeah, yeah. So Time Magazine defines meme coin as, quote, a cryptocurrency that is only worth what people are willing to pay for it. And while this right. is a good summary for the uninitiated, that is how literally every cryptocurrency works. In a broad sense, that is how all currency works. Right. The genesis of the term comes from Dogecoin, like you said. Bang on there. The <laughs> nice. original meme coin, which was based on the popular Doge meme. Its existence was, on its surface, a joke. Dogecoin did moderately well by the terms of cryptocurrency, which led to an explosion of copycats. Crypto evangelists tended to see these meme coin projects as serious, not serious jokes presented with mm -hmm. equal parts post-irony and iconoclastic glee at just how easy it was to quote-unquote disrupt the traditional systems of currency. So it's, <laughs> it's a silly joke currency that you can spend real money on, um, but look how easy it is to make our own little economy, you know? We're, we're just like those right. bankers. We're just like those, those, those fintech people. Why hasn't someone else thought of this? <laughs> Why don't we just print more money? Right, exactly. It's like they've just stumbled upon this way right, to like right. get very rich with what very if, little effort. What if we... Listen, Evan, I have, I have a new idea. What if we get our money together, we pool our money, and then we buy a mine, and then we split the profits? Yeah. We'll call, it's like, we'll split the future profits, and then maybe we can, share, we can sell those, like, chunks of the profits in the future. We could call it a futures market. Right. Why hasn't anyone else thought of this? We're geniuses. Why has no one done this before? Right. Well, that's the thing is like any kind of scam or get rich quick scheme is like someone has probably thought of this, like just not in this form necessarily. Mm -hmm. Like it's probably been done. Like you're not like a lot of people want to be rich and there's a lot of people on earth. That was part of what made this episode so crazy to research was like cryptocurrency as a technology is already pretty complicated, pretty infamously complicated. In fact, mm -hmm. the fact that it's so complicated is pretty integral to how this story goes. Right. People don't understand it. It's almost like when, when people are trying to understand things like cryptocurrency, it almost double backs on the sort of theological parts of your brain. It's like you're, you're forced to attempt to make sense of a system that you do not understand in some mm. way. And you can end up with things becoming a little culty. Right. <laughs> um, so, so to go back to meme coin, right? These silly little joke currencies, right? Well, a core yeah. of their existence in the modern world is Elon Musk. <laughs> oh, God. So the heart, the core of the meme coin is to create a currency with a name so stupid that it will catch <laughs> Elon Musk's attention and if your memes right. are epic enough, perhaps Daddy Musk will give your meme coin a price boost by promoting it publicly on his Twitter. Oh, God. So, to give a real definition, a meme coin is a cryptocurrency whose valuation is at least partially derived from the fact that it has a silly name. Mm -hmm. This brings us <laughs> to Dink Doink. 
<laughs> uh, naturally. <laughs> of course. Dink doink. We all know dink doink. Right. Ah, yes. All right. So, so on June 28th, 2021, Logan Paul retweeted a video promoting <laughs> a meme coin called dink doink. The tweet in question featured a video of a South Park style character singing an obnoxious little song. He captioned this retweet, quote, this is the dumbest, most ridiculous shit coin I've ever seen. And that's why I'm all in. And then he includes a line go up emoji. Right. Yeah. He put the emoji there. It's it's uh, trustworthy. Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. The line go up emoji that all the crypto guys know. They're not allowed to sit, put that unless it's like, you know. Yeah, it's like, the, up. it's like the trademark symbol, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, oh, he wouldn't lie to me like that. No. What Paul failed to mention was that he helped create this project, and he already oh. held a significant portion of the coins, which is, if this were literally anything else besides cryptocurrency, that's market manipulation. Yeah, and it's probably why it is cryptocurrency, is so they can get away with market manipulation. Mm-hmm. A common tactic in cryptofluencer schemes is to have a small, close-knit development team who may be able to coordinate effectively on social media to build extreme amounts of hype, only to then sell their coins at the peak for a tidy profit. This is generally known as a pump and dump. We're all familiar mm. with the pump and dump. Yeah. When an influencer gets caught in an alleged pump and dump, it is very bad for them to be publicly associated with the scammers. It raises all sorts of questions about who may be legally accountable for the potential fraud, especially in the crypto space, when people don't really trust each other in the best of times. Mm. The crypto spaces like this tend to have an air of ex like extreme hyper-capitalism. You know, everyone sees themselves yeah. as their own private little Jordan Belfort, and they're, they're only <laughs> collaborating so that they can eventually stab the other guys in the back at some point. There's right. there's a sort of brutal mercantile glee to it that makes long-term thinking and long-term profits very difficult to suss out. Right. Just good vibes all around. Yeah, yeah. Just excellent vibes all around. <laughs> also, because these teams are so small and they usually, like, they're, like, one and done, it can be very difficult to actually find out who is responsible. Because it's like, um, it's like what happened with that one crypto commercial that had Larry David and Shaq in it. Like, yes, they were right. potentially liable, but it's pretty clear that they just got roped in on this and didn't really understand what they were doing. Yeah, they probably got, like, a ridiculous check. Right, right. It was one of these, like, you did something illegal and you should pay these people back, but it's, like, it's very difficult to even understand that what you're... There are many cases in these crypto like spaces where people literally do not realize that they are doing something illegal. Right. Yeah, because at a financial like at an actual real finance level, these are techniques that are used all the time, but and are technically illegal, but are usually rarely enforced because of a fairly toothless regulatory agency. However, yeah. the crypto space relies on extreme hype cycles, extreme mm. visibility. So when yeah. people get scammed, people know. Right. So luckily for Paul and Dink Doink, God. <laughs> luckily for Dink Doink. Luckily for Dink Doink, it seems like Paul was simply an outside money nozzle for the project. That's that's editorial stance right now. I'm not making a statement of like actual culpability. Um, he mm -hmm. was 
it looks like to me that he was just an influencer who got roped into a financial... Just kidding. The project's leader was Paul's roommate, Jacob Brodio. <laughs> um, so they were wow. definitely... There, there's definitely a connection there. Yeah. Again, not saying any statement of culpability, but yeah, Logan Paul explicitly and definitely had something to do with the creation of Dink Doink. Yeah. <laughs> Barodio would later say on the Stephen Steele podcast um, that the two created the project together, claiming that Paul designed the titular Dink Doink character himself. Quote, Logan and I are being very cautious about how we roll this out. Brodio said, referring to the price chart of Dink Doink. He added, that chart is our reputation. Right. And right. <laughs> Evan, you want to take a guess as to what happened to that chart? You want to guess what direction that arrow ended up pointing? I'm, I'm assuming not up. Down. That is the correct answer. <laughs> uh, it really sucks because Phew. Dink Doink almost immediately crashed to less than one tenth of one percent. <laughs> right. No! But who could have Dink seen Doink. this coming? They killed Dink Doink. They Not killed him. Dink Doink. <laughs> I wonder if anyone cried when Dink Doink went down. It was a single tear shed. <laughs> In a Times interview, Logan referred to Dink Doink as, quote, the project from hell and said he never sold his tokens or profited from the project whatsoever. Which is, to his credit, very possible. Remember, the blockchain is supposed to be this, like, publicly available, visible ledger of all these cryptocurrency transactions. So everyone yeah. can always see what wallets have what coins at any given time as long as you have the right technology, right? And know how yeah. to use it. So a Times investigation of Dink Doink's chain revealed that a wallet that attempted to purchase more than 120 trillion Dink tokens. <laughs> it did this... Just three minutes after the project was revealed, and far before public promotion had even begun to be close to beginning. Interesting. They just stumbled upon the dink doink. <laughs> now, okay, okay, that's not entirely crazy. That definitely happens in crypto spaces sometimes, where right. you'll get a coin that launches, and then it'll just get flooded with bots that are basically a guy has a server in his basement that's watching the entire crypto marketplace that just starts buying new coins as soon as possible. Right. Later in July, one Dink was being once Dink was being traded publicly, that same wallet began to trade large amounts of Dink for more stable currencies like Binance and Tether. Quote. Mm -hmm. Then in August, the wallet went to 36.5 ether, virtually all of the ether in the account worth more than $100,000 at the time, straight to Logan Paul's public account. Spicer's research shows. Wow. Now. Oh, interesting. Oh, just, we have not even gotten to the actual oh, topic God. of this episode. This is all preamble. Oh, God. <laughs> now, there isn't any evidence proving that Paul actually controlled that suspicious wallet, but $100,000 is $100,000. Paul's lawyers mm. did not respond to this time inquiry immediately, but Brodio's did. Quote, oh, no. The launch of the token was announced publicly on Telegram in days leading up to the launch. My clients have no knowledge of who owns this wallet, analyzed by Mr. Spicer, but the blockchain unmistakably shows that the wallet acquired tokens from the liquidity pool after they became publicly available. So, hmm. oh yeah, and before this, so you know how Logan, he, he, one of the things he's famous for is that video of him getting the most expensive Pokemon card ever traded, like it's mounted in like a gold case and being draped over his like pecs or whatever. <laughs> 
Yeah. So part of how Logan has made his web presence so far is that he's a collector, right? He has a lot of money and he uses it to make very ostentatious videos about him collecting very expensive but silly things, right? Yeah. And it seems like how he got into cryptocurrency was initially through this collecting penchant of his, right? Hmm. He he bought several very high-profile NFTs right around when the boom was starting, and it definitely introduced him to a lot of the people that are going to become integral to this story later on. Right. Okay. So, so we're going to skip ahead a little bit. We're going to skip past this. Speaking in August 18th, 2021, to his massive audience on the podcast Impulsive, which has 4 million subscribers on YouTube... Paul hinted that he invested more than a million dollars of his own money into a project about over six months of development. He called it a really fun game that makes you money. This project was called CryptoZoo. You ever heard of this? Um, no. Okay. Okay. Well, the... the I'm intrigued. The, so, welcome to CryptoZoo. This is what the actual episode is about. Um, oh, the no. very next line in my notes is, quote, we don't scam. I've never scammed anyone. He doesn't have to scam to make money. Oh, God. I swear to God. When, I would never scam anyone. I please. We had this. We had this dink toykin. Dink. Oh, my God. So we had this <laughs> <Donk> dink. <toinkin. laughs> we had this dink token that flopped. Right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are trying to contact Logan Paul and his manager about this token, and they're not getting anything back. Like, they, all, they don't respond to anything. They don't even mention Dink Doink, right, for months. Right. Um, and then he mentions he has another crypto project in the works, right? Mm -hmm. When describing the game to Forbes in October, he called it, quote, probably even more relatable and universal than Pokemon. <laughs> I seriously doubt that, but, yeah, you know. One of the most popular and influential media products of all time. <laughs> it's better than that. It's better than I that. I swear. It's like Pokemon, but better, because it makes you money. From my unbiased perspective, this is better <laughs> than Pokemon. The game is, quote, um, an autonomous ecosystem where zoo owners breed, collect, and trade exotic hybrid animals via NFTs. The way that it works is supported on the Binance chain. CryptoZoo will function as an NFT game of sorts. It users will be able to collect, breed, sell, trade um, animals, earning money simply by holding these hybrids, right? But just by having them sit in your wallet, it makes you money. Alongside a diverse team, Paul worked on the project for over six months with an alleged budget of little over a million dollars. The idea is, like he said, Pokemon-esque. Users buy egg hmm. tokens for around $300, oh hatch them into animals, and then breed the animals together to produce new eggs that can then be traded for fiat currency, right? Hilariously, right. most of the coverage of this game fails to elaborate on how exactly they're supposed to be traded for fiat currency. Who is buying right. these, these animals? Why would people want to buy these animals? What incentives do people have to purchase these animals? How does anyone make money off of this? And here's what I was able to figure out, right? So mm -hmm. you, buy, you buy a zoo token to buy an egg NFT, which you can then hatch into animals, right? And then you can 
breed those animal NFTs into hybrids. You know, one can breed a gorilla and a kitten into a gore kitty. Mm -hmm. These hybrid animals will then slowly get pregnant with more zoo tokens based (laughs) on their rarity. And the more rare an animal is, the more zoo it's filled with. When you want to cash out, you can slaughter your animal um, for the zoo tokens that it's pregnant with, right? So you you have to burn your token. So many NFT Mm. games work on this principle, which is, you know, suspiciously triangular shaped. If, you know, a a scheme kind of of that shape, although I'm not making any (laughs) legal accusations. Right. Right. I'm just noting an interesting coincidence. Um, The difference, because the crypto market at this point was flush with, like, pay-to-play games, right? Yeah. Logan Paul's big selling point was that CryptoZoo was handmade. (laughs) What's that even mean? Well, meaning that, like, all the images of hybrid animals that you're getting are, like, hand-drawn by an artist, right? Hand-drawn by Logan Paul with a crayon. Yeah, yeah. He got his biggest blue crayon, and he drew all these gorillas. He draws every single one uniquely. And people pay $300 for these eggs or whatever, and all the animals are just really poorly drawn crayon drawings. Oh, my God. The proportions don't make sense. (laughs) A Market Realist article about early CryptoZoo hype in late August of 2021 publishes some tweets from users bragging about their early investments, right? Mm-hmm. Up 50% since this tweet, and this tweet highlighted how Zoo was one of the few green yesterday, rocket emoji, crown emoji. Went from 003 what? to 0048 last night. Did you miss a 70% run? Uh, and that was from... Uh, maybe. That was... <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what any of these words mean. <laughs> it's possible. So that was by a, a user named Crypto King, or JB the Crypto King. And mm-hmm. it should be said up front... Crypto King was one of the project's founders. Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. So it seems like <laughs> the only way people were making money off CryptoZoo at this point was by holding on to tokens during the rush. The game hadn't launched yet, right? right? People were just buying. It's like people were essentially pre-ordering. They were pre-ordering Pokemon from an, a game that hadn't been released yet. And then they were trading the rights to those Pokemon that didn't exist yet. And mm-hmm. that's how people were making money. Naturally. Let's, we're going to get into the, the, the technical aspects of this because they're, they're kind of important. Okay. The project would be supported on the Binance chain, which is the largest operating cryptocurrency exchange at the time. Individual tokens would be maintained and traded via, via OpenSea. These are both large-scale options for a crypto product, the equivalent of distributing a game at Walmart and Target. That's an oversimplification, but we don't really have time for a better comparison. The important takeaway is that the project was launching at the front of the pack. You've got uh, one of the biggest celebrities in the world, and it's on all the big platforms. It's got like an all-star team. You know, this is yeah. th- this is very clearly being launched as a premium product. Mm-hmm. So let's take a moment to talk about the concept of a blockchain game. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> Enlighten us. So, okay. Many projects tout themselves as being quote-unquote hosted on the blockchain, but this is almost never true. It's the sort of thing that is very easy for PR departments to claim, but is extremely difficult to actually check, and most journalists covering (laughs) cryptocurrency topics are from the finance realm, not the tech realm, so they don't have the tech skills to actually determine the minutiae of a crypto project. 
Yeah. This is important because the idea of hosting an entire video game on the blockchain is, to put it lightly, insane. <laughs> that is like saying that you are going to be releasing the new Pokemon game by Carrier Pigeon. Right. Not not distribute, not like, oh, you're going to get it in the mail by Carrier Pigeon. I mean, like, you're going to decide what, ha like, you're going to get a piece of paper in the mail that shows you a frame of the game, and then you have to send it off in a Carrier Pigeon, and then you'll get one back a week later. Yeah, like, that doesn't make any s sense. Like, what does that e hosting it on the blockchain even mean? Like, so, is, okay, is that even okay. possible? It Okay, it is, and we're going to talk about it. The okay. whole point of blockchain as a technology is permanence. It is a ledger where changes are permanent, eternally viewable, and very, very computationally expensive. Remember, yeah. making any change to a blockchain, like actually transferring a coin from one wallet to another, takes an extraordinary amount of computing power and time and money. This... Like, this is such an integral part of most blockchain technologies that actually transferring a crypto a cryptocurrency from one wallet to another usually costs a fee, um, and this is referred to as gas. And it can be, depending on rush times and the, the coin being traded, can be cripplingly expensive. Yeah. The, a single actual transaction can take, like, weeks if you have a bad rig. This means yeah. that... Any updates to your game, if you're hosting it on the blockchain, will require gas fees. If your programmers need to fix a bug, or say one of your cow tokens was improperly coded and it's not producing milk, they can't just release a patch. They have to manually go into every single wallet that has a cow token and replace your cow token with the new fixed token. Right. It is... Like, that is a ridiculous, ridiculous thing to try and base a video game off. Yeah. I don't know if CryptoZoo was actually hosted on the Binance blockchain itself. Reports of it being hosted on the blockchain could easily be finance journalists misunderstanding the technical minutiae here. The charitable yeah. reading is that CryptoZoo has critical infrastructure hosted on Binance and OpenSea. These tokens will only need gas fees when a user actually wants to cash out. This would make CryptoZoo a genuine attempt at producing a finance-flavored Pokemon clone with a buy-in in, buy in the $300 range, right? The uncharitable <laughs> right. reading is that CryptoZoo is an impossible money pit, the equivalent of a debt submarine with screen door windows. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. With Logan's platform, when, when he released this, people flooded into this game. Some fans invested upwards of, do you want to take a guess? $10,000. $50,000, my friend. <laughs> oh, my God. oh, it's so sad. In total, people bought $2.5 million worth of digital eggs on the first day the tokens were available. <laughs> the game had not even launched yet. They were buying based on the promise of the marketing. The game had yeah. not launched yet. Let's take a moment to talk about these folks. Okay, Logan Paul has the ability to meet a lot of people. The type of person who got sucked into this project has an air of like, I've, I've watched yeah. interviews with people that lost like multiple, th like multiple thousands of dollars at this, yeah. like in this venture, quote unquote. Uh -huh. And they all have this air of kind of parasocial naivete. 
These are folks that often don't speak English as a first language, and they trusted Paul to play safe with their investment. He was a popular YouTuber, clearly financially successful in his own right, and someone directly under the public eye. To them, this was the equivalent of a investing in a project by, say, Steve from Blue's Clues. You know, <laughs> right. it's, it's the, the last person in the world you would expect to bilk you out of your money. <laughs> yeah, I trusted him. The reactions from investors who failed to saw return manifest was one of humiliation and betrayal. They, it didn't even factor in to their decision-making that Logan Paul yeah. would fail them like this. It, I would not be surprised if it never even entered their mind. Yeah. Like that is how much, that is how much these people trusted Logan. It's not because they're stupid. It's because they're making an honestly fairly reasonable decision just with a lot of zeros attached, right? Yeah. So at this point in the story, Evan, CryptoZoo has not launched yet. Like it's not, it's not even ready yet. Mm-hmm. So the next section in my notes is called the cracks in CryptoZoo. Oh, no. The team started to release images of the game. That whole thing about handmade art complete and utter bullshit (laughs) you know the one thing that they were using to sell the game utter bullshit it was (laughs) oh did we say handmade (laughs) whoops Uh, that was my hand slipped it was evan get this it was clearly adobe stock photos that had been very quickly photoshopped together (laughs) god like if you if you want to if you want to take a second to google crypto zoo like animals. Okay, I'm gonna look at it, and then uh, like paint a paint a word picture for our our viewers at home. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> right? <This> is... <laughs> oh my God! Handmade this quality, is like... baby. <laughs> this is like someone had two minutes and you said to make a kitten. <laughs> A kitten slash lion. You have two <laughs> minutes to make it. And if you like, if you don't finish in time, we're going to like shoot you in the kneecaps. And like, this is like, it is like the most basic Photoshop. Like you, t- you cut out the face of a kitten and like feather the edges slightly and put it on a picture of a lion and don't even like, don't even like erase the whole thing. Of the, mm-hmm. There's another one of, the, of a panda. I don't even know what the, the this is. <laughs> so <laughs> fucking stupid it's oh my are, god they these images are so embarrassing that they l- almost loop back around to being charming again <laughs> right <It's>, i don't <laughs> know if it falls in the uncanny valley or like cute it's like it's i can't even tell it's like <laughs> it, it, it is the equivalent of a child handing you a, a crayon drawing of you like it's just this is awesome it's like this <laughs> yeah. objectively sucks but it's awesome <laughs> <laughs> it's really i mean it's almost like endearing how bad it is it's like okay if a child gave this to you you'd be like holy shit you made this in photoshop that's really awesome <laughs> right. but in a, if an, a 35 year old adult human being gives <laughs> right. this to you you kind of just kind of look at them with pity you know <laughs> right yeah it's like <laughs> <laughs> so oh god so this is this is the first real look that people got at this game, right? The cracks are <laughs> yeah. starting to show, and people start to ask right. very reasonable questions. Questions like, yeah. "Hey, didn't you say that you spent a million dollars on this?" <laughs> right? Because yeah, it clearly wasn't going to the art. Maybe it was going to like backstage blockchain stuff. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a a wonderful YouTuber who broke like. 60% of this story named CoffeeZilla, who I'm sure some of you at home know, 
um, personally audited the chain, revealing the project to be a fairly rudimentary fork of an earlier chain called Floki Shibi X. <laughs> By rudimentary fork, I mean damn near a carbon copy, like control A, control C, control V. Right. <laughs> so, okay, okay. Where did this money go? What about marketing? Right? Around this time, Logan was heavily promoting Hatch Day, as in, like, the day when all the first eggs were about to hatch, to be able to make money. So, Hatch Day comes around, and people start realizing something. CryptoZoo says that you're earning tokens. Like, you'll get a message on screen that says you're earning tokens. But when you look for the <laughs> button to actually, like, claim your tokens, there's no button. <laughs> Congratulations, you have earned token. <laughs> you're like, oh, cool. Like, where so, is how do it? I trade this out? You can't. There's no button for it. Right. Additionally, some users realize that their eggs would not even hatch, specifically users who bought eggs with Ethereum. Upon contacting support, users received messages about, quote-unquote, momentary outages. <sighs> Important thing to remember here, Ethereum is probably one of the top three most common and stable cryptocurrencies for the time. So this is like 30% of users' estimation, yeah. right? Just... They, the eggs don't hatch. They don't work. Sorry you spent $300 on this stupid egg. You, you bought a picture of an egg for $300. Yeah, I guess some eggs don't hatch in, in real life, too. So it's like yeah, realistic in that way. Right, right. That is true. Maybe there'll be a scramble patch update at some point in the future. <laughs> you can scramble your cryptocurrency, whatever the fuck that means. <laughs> so folks had essentially spent an upwards of th several thousand dollars to look at a JPEG of an egg. <laughs> yeah, congratulations. Hatch Day was November 3rd, 2021. In 24 hours, news spreads, and the value of Zoo drops by 63%. So, people start asking more very reasonable questions, like, hey, where's my goddamn money? Yeah. And then, Evan, for some reason, Logan Paul vanishes from the internet. Uh-oh. Yeah. He speaks in the cryptos in the oh, I forgot about this. He speaks in the CryptoZoo Discord twice over the entire year. I have the messages right here. They are oh, no. <laughs> they are sober currently, SMH, and yo. That's it. <laughs> That's all he Important ever says. Update. Two Important and a half update. million dollars. Right. The king is about to speak. Gather round. <laughs> Sober currently, SMH. Yo! <laughs> That's it. That's all you fucking get. Did he put it in the wrong chat? Like, was he trying to send it somewhere else? I, like, you'd think I, he would at least, like, put it, like, save his updates for that I'm channel. pretty sure that the Discord is, like, dead and gone now. Like, I'm pretty sure these are lost to the Aether. I haven't actually checked either way. Yeah. From how it was framed in all of the the articles that actually mentioned this exchange, it seemed like he just kind of said it unprompted. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's just in a silly, goofy mood. So, so while all this is happening, the CryptoZoo marketing manager, Ben Roth, is telling fans that Logan will be marketing CryptoZoo any day now. Just wait one more day, Evan. Logan will Big definitely keep marketing CryptoZoo, even though the devs have already made several million dollars. Please just trust me, Evan. Right. Yeah, no, I know. I trust you. <laughs> Obviously, the disconnect between Roth and Logan did not look so good from the outside. Investors scoured Paul's media appearances, looking for any sign that CryptoZoo was getting an update. 
from Time, quote, In a video taken of him and the DJ Steve Aoki in March 2022, a clip services of Paul speaking about his upcoming project. Quote, is that the the thing with the egg? No, 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 no. This will be like the craziest shit I've ever done. Turns out his new project, the thing he was referring to here, was another crypto project called 99 Originals. Well, I mean, with his track record, like, I, you know, I'm all in. Like, he's... Right, yeah. <laughs> he's just I, done such great work so far. I, I spent my inheritance on Dink Doink and CryptoZoo. Right. Just making those was, like, impressive. It didn't have to, like, work or, like, you know, make anyone any money. Like, he is... You can't deny he is doing crypto projects. Right. You, you simply cannot deny that he is doing crypto projects. He has ambition. <laughs> Yeah. Fans start asking more very reasonable questions, like, hey, why should we trust you? Didn't you just abandon your last two crypto projects? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I mean, the fans are being patient, at the, like, still, like, <laughs> they're giving it's, him a lot of leeway. Well, and at this, at this point, the, the vibe from the fans, the investors in CryptoZoo, was one of desperate, borderline religious paranoia, right? These are... Yeah. At this point, fans were maybe a few weeks away from looking for coded messages in the timestamps. Like it was right. getting that bad. This is because <laughs> right. once you spe- think about that, once you've spent fifty thousand dollars on something, you start you start grabbing for any foothold, like anything that will give you a sense of control. You'll start looking for that. Yeah. Well, yeah. You just you're trying to like you know like decrease the gap between like <laughs> the you know, the belief in what you spent your money on and knowing you spent that much money and like the slow realization that this is a scam and that, that like there's no, you know, you, this doesn't have a leg to stand on. So April 2022, Time asks Paul, hey, what's up with CryptoZoo? Paul says right. that his involvement in the project was super minimal and that he received the oh, occasional, right. like, monthly check-in. It was a project that turned a little backwards because of some bad actors, which is a shame because I really liked the concept, he said. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, something didn't turn out the way that I expected to. Let's fix it. Let's do the best that we can. And let's just keep going because, you know, I don't have time to look back. And then he promised to put his quote-unquote rocket fuel behind the project. From a Twitter space interview hosted by Nicole Benham, we had an issue with CryptoZoo where our lead developer took the code that he made and fled to Switzerland, fled to Switzerland, like oh, actually no. fled to Switzerland and like <laughs> so held it hostage for a million dollars, like behind the scenes drama and all that, took a stick and stuck it in the spokes of my wheels. So again, credit to CopyZilla actually tracked down this mystery developer and interviewed him who had this oh, to say. And in the video, he has a lovely, like, vocoded, uh, like, voice disguiser. Right. He never paid me anything, like, at all, ever. I never got paid. <laughs> and, you know, we got to a point where I realized that they were going to try and steal all of my work and not pay me. So I took all the source code private, and I just kind of spent a month trying to negotiate. The only thing that they brought to the table were some Photoshop JPEGs. <laughs> oh, great. Like, we got this for you. You might change your mind when we show you this. <laughs> so so did, did anything in that quote stand out to you, Evan? Well, I mean, I don't, I'm, I don't know if this is what you're getting at, but it's just, I just find it interesting that they decide not to pay the person who can take the whole source code private. Like, this is like, right. why, don't fuck around with the person who can shut your whole project down. Right, right. But here's the thing. Logan said he spent a million dollars on this. And this programmer said that he was never paid. 
So where's the money? I don't know. I have no idea. Investigations into the finances revealed what looked to be a series of handshake deals. When the dev team approached Paul's management for contracts, there were always delays. By the end of 2022, no rocket fuel had emerged. But hang on, why not pay the devs with all the money you supposedly already made? You know, <laughs> people had that first hatch day boom, and presumably people made like two and a half million dollars off of that. So what's the missing piece here? This brings us to the third player in this saga, a guy named Eddie Ibanez. Okay. So Eddie Ibanez is a fascinating character. He was, an, he was born an orphan. And from his bedroom, he hacked into AOL as a teenager, which was a stunt that, like, got him the attention of the United States government, who put him through <laughs> MIT. And then from here, he was recruited as a cybersecurity expert by the State Department to be a, a mass data analyst. And eventually, hmm. he retired from government work and helped the, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles do, like, some Moneyball shit and win a Super Bowl with, like, statistical analysis. Um, cool. Yeah, so with this storied career behind him, it's my guess that he became bored and just yeah. started kind of doing crypto projects to see if he could, and he ended up as the lead developer for CryptoZoo. Interesting. Except, no, he wasn't. All of that was a lie. <laughs> okay. Thanks to the reporting from a journalist named Adam Robb, we know now that Eddie Ibanez was not an orphan, he never hacked into AOL, he didn't attend MIT, never worked for the government, never worked for the NFL, oh, he was a grifter who used social connections with the rich and powerful to float from project to project taking paychecks as he went. <laughs> It's like the George Santos of the crypto world. Yeah, this guy lied about being an orphan. <laughs> like, right. that's this guy how. Had so many fucking parents. There's okay. There's an interview that they did where this this journalist, uh, Rob, Adam Rob, was talking about how he kind of realized that Ibanez was fucking with him, and it was like. You know, he talked to Eddie Ibanez and he was like, yeah, I was an orphan. And then later he was watching like a Fox segment where it was like a Fox and Friends segment where Eddie Ibanez got invited on the show to like make tortilla chips or something. And yeah. he, he mentioned his mom's old salsa recipe or something. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, oh it's like, hang on, I thought you were an orphan. Right. Uh, I mean, uh, did, I, did I say uh, mom uh, salsa recipe? I, I, I meant uh, uh, the orphanage's uh, porridge that I, that I had. <laughs> the, the, the gruel back at the orphanage. I had a, I have a wonderful gruel recipe. <laughs> right. I just misspoke. So that solves it, right? It looks like Logan Paul was himself duped by a con artist pretending to be a cybersecurity expert. It was Eddie Ibanez who stole all the money, right? <laughs> right? I don't know. I don't know. So much well, pressure. no. <laughs> the replacement dev team who came on after Eddie left quit nearly a month after without pay. The blockchain <laughs> confirms this, as not a single transaction was made to the new dev team. They were paid, but only after they quit and, like, threatened legal action. Oh, my God. So what's up? I don't know. I, I was this so was, scared. At this point in doing this research, I was going insane. I was like... I, I initially thought, like, oh, man, it's just like Logan Paul. It'll be a fun, like, it'll be a fun little, like, meme title. No. I, this story had so many, like, third act twists. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm so it's lost. Like, what do you mean he lied about being an orphan? <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like, how could you lie about that? It seems like something very easy so, to find out. Right. So by this point, investors in CryptoZoo had completely lost hope. No one was communicating with the people who pumped millions of dollars into this project. And yeah. then, and then, Evan, someone leaked the internal developer chat logs. The whole <laughs> oh my thing. God. I'm so, so excited. This is where this is where our fourth player enters the like enters the scene, right? We've okay. got Logan Paul, manager Jeff Levin, lead developer Eddie Ibanez, and project advisor Jake the Crypto King from earlier. Oh. Looking at these chat logs, right? It is clear from the jump start that this was always about the money. Conversation yeah. is almost entirely centered around profit margins and financial structuring. Ibanez even ropes in potential investors, clearly intending to sell the game before it is complete, right? Right. The first real split comes from the desire to pre-sell tokens. Even for people yeah. who supposedly know the crypto space well, that is dubiously legal. And dubious yeah. financial legality for people making shit like this, that means that it's like, wildly unethical and definitely illegal yeah right. from jake if we have a pre-sale it opens up to sec issues jeff definitely don't want to do anything that brings sec eyeballs logan but everyone does pre-sale with coins eddie you absolutely can i did an ico in 160 million dollars in 2018 i got all sec down private and a pre-sale so, hello, I can hear you at home, listeners. Hey, CT, what's a presale? Basically, it's when you offer early investors coins before everyone else, usually at a significant discount. This right. is a gamble because it can definitely get you in trouble with the SEC. They do not yeah. like it when you trade what are almost definitely unlicensed securities. Problem yeah. is, it makes you a fuckload of money. It is ridiculously profitable to have a pre-sale. So, Crypto King proposes a different solution. Release the token early, so the four of them can buy up the supply, but don't actually announce the token through Logan for another week or so. It's not technically a pre-sale, so while it dodges the SEC problems, it should also make them a bunch of money. Win-win, right? Well, Maybe. here's where it gets weird. <laughs> okay. The token launches... The next day, Crypto King says, uh, a bot is playing with our token. Kind of cool to watch. And basically, <laughs> a bot swept through and bought up 80% of the tokens, like as soon as it went on the market. <laughs> the profit the group stood to make just went from $130 million to $26 million. Oh no, they must have been freaking the fuck out. I have quotes, my friend. Oh, boy. Jeff, it is not cool to watch. <laughs> it is the opposite of cool. Logan, how did anyone get this token except for us and none of us sold? A fight ensues. Crypto King. My buyer <laughs> pushed it back to 40 million. And then Logan, bro, fuck your buyer. Explain to me what just happened and how there were 30 token holders. Jake. You, letter U, can't get mad about traders and bots. All they do is play without token. Wait till we get a CMC listing. 500 bots will pick it up as they trail the coin market cap. Logan. Bro, how did anyone find our token that quickly when only five of us knew about it? 
Jake. People have notifications set for new tokens and for volume. The smart ones have it automated as a bot. I think your friend Chase has one that finds all new BSC tokens. Logan, cap emoji, implying that he says that that's bullshit. Right. I can't be the one who, I can't be the only one who thinks that's incredibly too convenient. Like somebody was tipped off. Jake, we created $40 million out of thin air today. This is a success. Logan, (laughs) fuck 40 million. It was 120 million. So, (laughs) hey, CT, uh, what if you look at the blockchain manifest itself? Why not look at the top buyers? That's a good idea, listeners. Um, (laughs) You'd expect the big five, you know, these these project leads to be in the top five-ish slots, right? Yeah. Well, that's true. Thing is, Logan is actually only the third largest buyer. The top two are mystery wallets, and no one knows who they belong to. <laughs> this is like an old like murder mystery kind of <laughs> one's pointing fingers. Right? There is evidence that these top two mystery wallets were associated with CryptoKing, but that's not proof, right? Yeah. Internal meeting notes show that Logan is supposed to get 51%. Eddie, 30, Jeff, 10, and then Jake, 5. Jake didn't even take part in the initial trading, where most of the initial investment would have paid out, which is weird. Yeah. Especially because he was so, like, especially because CryptoKing was so blasé once that bot started sweeping up their potential earnings. (laughs) Yeah, What's interesting. extra weird is that it was CryptoKing who was accusing Logan of scamming. Mm. So let's fast forward to... you smelted dealt it kind of vibe? Yeah, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I, like, this is legitimately interesting. Like, we, I... If you're looking for a concise, like, real answer here, you're not going to get one. But the speculation <laughs> okay. in this is fascinating. So yeah. let's, fo- let's fast forward to launch day. The team launches the zoo tokens but they also launched a second identical zoo token. There was a dummy zoo token launch. The main difference being that these second tokens were blacklisted from wallets associated with CryptoKing. He couldn't pick them up. So Hmm. CryptoKing realizes that they're trying to cut him out. 80 billion zoo tokens were confiscated from him, and without any news from anyone else, he was entirely frozen out and lost out on potentially $40 million. So, okay. It's clear that one of somebody else on the development team did not trust CryptoKing and they were trying to freeze him out. Gotcha. Right, right. So, quote, CryptoKing, Logan, you aren't that guy. Logan, oh, Jake, <laughs> trust me, bro. I am that guy. Cue in the arms of an angel. That's, he actually writes that. He writes asterisk, cue in the arms of an angel, asterisk. This <laughs> is very silly. It's, it's kind of nice to know that he's like this in private, too. Right, yeah, I guess. So, this goes even deeper. We, notes from a company meeting read, quote, No selling until the 200 million market cap, and don't impact the market more than 3%, and not impact the market more than a 10% in a single day. And if you're thinking, hey, CT, Isn't that conspiracy to manipulate a market? That sounds like internal rules for selling. And legally, I have no comment on this matter. I'm not making any accusations. But that section of their notes was in fact titled Rules for Selling. (laughs) I mean, yeah, kind of on the nose. So 
who stole the damn zoo? So let's look at the blockchain. If you look at the wallets, right. it looks like CryptoKing sold several million dollars worth of zoo. But weren't his tokens blacklisted? How did he sell them? Well, he didn't. It looks like he actually had even more tokens behind the scenes. It looks like what he did was he split his tokens into hundreds of smaller intermediary wallets, which then sold the tokens to a final cash-out wallet for money that he then collected. So when, when asked, CryptoKing essentially admitted, yeah, I sold. However, he also accuses Logan of not paying him, saying that he invested a quarter million dollars into the project and was never paid after six months. Right. So, okay. In all likelihood, I think Crypto King balked and kind of realized that everyone else was going to try and scam him. And so he yeah. pulled the rug before they could. Hmm. So, in all likelihood, I think he thought he was going to get rugged and bailed. Although, bailing doesn't usually net someone $6 million in profit. <laughs> right. Yeah, not generally. Additionally, Jeff and Logan never sold. Eddie Ibanez sold, and it made him around $1.7 million. But he's like a well-known scammer. He was going to sell no matter what. Yeah. So not everyone is innocent. Logan and Jeff never actually made a game. There are literally <laughs> millions of zoo and egg tokens that are completely unaccounted for. Oh my god. What a mess. So on February 2nd, uh, a Mr. Kirker, a lawyer from Texas, filed a lawsuit that seeks class action certification against Paul and the other CryptoZoo founders. Kirker says that the CryptoZoo investors like Dan have been, for months, compiling evidence that supports claims of fraud, negligence, and express breaches of contract. Separately, Kirker is also filing numerous individual arbitration demands against Paul and his team due to CryptoZoo's prohibitive terms of service that ban its users from suing the company in most jurisdictions. <laughs> okay. So, okay, Evan, do you want to know, after all this, what Paul did next? I mean, I'm going to guess that he created a new crypto scam. Um, he cre uh, Okay, he did not create a new crypto scam. He created what was effectively a crypto scam. Okay. Paul's next project was a thing called Liquid Marketplace, which allowed collectors to buy fractions of collectibles. So instead of owning a rare Pokemon card and just keeping it in your house, you can... You and I can get together, and we can each buy half of a rare Pokemon card. That way, if somebody sells the card, each of us gets half the profit. Right. Shock of all shocks, though, it turned out to just be an initial spike of hype that almost immediately cooled into inactivity and abandonment. I'm sensing a pattern here. Yeah, a frequent user of Marketplace with the username Yousef complained about the lack of activity and Paul's absence in the Project Discord. Quote, We are literally like 10 active users tops. A lot of people aren't interested anymore, so something needs to be done. Not only social media marketing, I mean real Logan Paul type marketing. Quote, In November, an avid member of Liquid who goes by Cardboard Preacher and who had posted over 1,300 times in the chat over the course of seven months announced that they were leaving the platform. <laughs> Quote, so naive and trusted that all of you were going to go to the moon together, but losing a ton of money or having money tied up that is not liquid, irony intended, takes a toll on people. To all of my OGs, peace and love. Peace and love. Paul's last tweet about Liquid Marketplace was in July. So, 
an investor, along with several other investors, are now simply accepting their losses as losses. Quote, yeah. it was a serious amount of money to him. He's a middle-class person, the investor says. But we're not going to live in regret. It was actually quite relieving when I sold, because I was like, all right, let's try not to kid myself anymore. He hopes he can one day <laughs> repay the £50,000 investment to his father. <laughs> as for Paul, he posted a video in January titled, Why 2022 was the best year of my life. It made no mention of CryptoZoo or Liquid Marketplace. Oh, my God. And that is our episode. Oh, God. I just, yeah, I'm just very confused why, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess kind of what you said at the beginning of the episode, like, there's a scam for everyone, but it's just, it seems like people keep falling for, for Logan Paul's new new ventures with it. It's just like, it's a similar result every time. Like, what's what's truly fascinating about this is that a lot of... Damn near every crypto scam falls into one of two things. It's either a rich idiot that believes his own hype. You know, it's like a dude that pretty much accidentally gambled and made $20,000 off of cryptocurrency and then became a kind of micro-influencer. Yeah. Like, and it's a guy like that throwing money into additional cryptocurrency stuff. Or... It's a guy that actually understands how speculative currencies work, who is just scamming people, right? Yeah. What's, what was fascinating to me about this project was it, it's kind of both and neither at the same time. Mm. Like, I'm not sure how much Logan knew about any of this, because I'm not sure how much any of the given parties knew about any of this. I think... Yeah. So if you want my take, if you want my hot take on this, I think this was an instance of four or five separate people that were all going into this with different scams in mind, right. thinking that all the other people were straight, and they were all trying to, they were all kind of trying to rug each other in unison at the same time. And all that really happened was Crypto King managed to rug first. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm not sure... I'm genuinely not sure if Logan actually went into this intending to rug the project, but I, I think a likely, or let's say a possible reading, is he just doesn't care. He has enough yeah. money and fame and influence that he doesn't have to give a shit about people losing $50,000 on a game that he failed to make, right? That's, yeah. the, that's the simple answer, and that's why it's attractive to me. It's like, yeah, he wanted to make money. He didn't care about the consequences. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty common, you know, thing for <laughs> grifters is, like, caring very little, if at all, of the people who, like, are devoted to them and worship them. And it's, it's just really sad, these people that are just following these people to the ends of the earth and, like, you know, just, like, left left in the, left in the dumps. Exactly. Exactly. It's, I, a lot of this stuff is very funny on the surface because, yeah, a lot of it is very funny. When yeah. Logan Paul responds in the, the moderator group chat with a cap emoji, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's yeah. something that a clown would say. But then you actually, <laughs> like, you see the, the interviews with the people that were actually affected by this. And it, it just, all it does is it paints the people responsible in an even worse light. Where it's like, you're being this yeah. ridiculous and flippant about the fact... You could at least be like a cool gangster yeah. or something. But no, you're just some <laughs> dumbass YouTuber. Like, get fucked. Oh, God. Yeah. 
Well, God bless you, Logan Paul. I hope you have peace in your heart. Honestly, truly. Let, let's <laughs> let's all take let's all take a moment as we we play some outro music to pray for Logan Paul. Pray for Logan Paul. That's the new tagline of this show. And and pray one day that we'll write an outro. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everyone. Big things are coming. We love you all.